Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. What a joy it is to come this evening and to sing praises to our God. How wonderful it is to come into God's presence together. I was going to start my talk this evening by asking you a question. What would it look like for the Spirit of God to move afresh in Leeds? I think we've seen a glimpse of an answer to that question already before I even stood up. I think we've seen a glimpse of an answer to that question uh, in our singing, in the ways that God is moving in our hearts, the way that God has been moving in this community. This is a question I've been wrestling with Uh, For the last few weeks, for the last couple of months, I've been wrestling with this question. God, what would it look like? What would it look like if you were to move in power in this city? What would it look like if you were to move in power here in Leeds? I don't know about you, but as uh, as Richard said at the beginning, uh, I've been been following closely what's been going on Uh, in the United States at Asbury University. Um, I've watched with interest as we saw uh, thousands and thousands of young people who could not bring themselves to leave the presence of God. If you don't know what happened, uh, the story goes something like this. There are a group of students at Asbury University in a small town uh, in the United States Uh, And they they have uh, fairly regular chapel services in the university as part of their uh, college life. Uh, But there was something significant about uh, their chapel service uh, just over a couple of months ago. Uh, There was, as the young people of the university came to lead each other in worship and to do what we've done this evening, to invite the Holy Spirit to come. as the, the meeting was supposed to draw to an end, it didn't. Those young people kept on praising the name of God. They kept on coming forward uh, to confess. Uh, they weren't being, uh, this wasn't an event that was put on uh, by some senior uh, folk in the university. This was a group uh, largely of people under the age of 25 leading one another in worship to their Lord. Not only did this service keep going. But 12 days later, it was still going. That service that had started 12 days previously uh, had gone on continuously through day and night as young people were so hungry to be in the presence of God that they kept worshipping. Now those that had been there um, say that there, there wasn't anything that particularly spectacular about the service itself. There was a real tangible sense of God's peace and God's joy. But really what God was doing was uh, moving in power in the lives of those young people. That they would draw close to God. So much so that some of the young people who had work to do would come and bring their laptops and sit at the back of the meeting room as the worship was going on just so that they could work in the presence of the Lord. A former colleague of mine uh, who now works at Asbury Seminary, Professor Tom McCall, uh, who's a theology professor at the nearby seminary, uh, reflected on his own visit to 
this worship service at Asbury University. And he wrote this. As an academic theologian, I am weary of hype and very wary of manipulation. I come from a background where I've seen efforts to manufacture revivals and movements of the spirit that were sometimes not only hollow, but also harmful. But truth be told, what's happening at Asbury is nothing like that. There is no pressure or hype. There is no manipulation. There is no high-pitched emotional fervor. To the contrary, it has so far been mostly calm and serene. The mix of hope and joy and peace is indescribably strong and indeed almost palpable. A vivid and incredibly powerful sense of shalom, peace. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is undeniably powerful, but also so gentle. Now, uh, you haven't met Tom, I've met Tom, and I know that these words coming from somebody like Tom are incredibly meaningful. Uh, This is somebody uh, that is not taken uh, for a ride easily, as somebody that thinks for his occupation. But in going to see what's going on at Asbury, uh, you watch the video of him talking about this and he can hardly hold back the tears. He's so moved to see what God is doing in the lives of young people in the United States. I don't know about you, but uh, there's been, for me, there's been a strong sense that God is on the move, not just in Asbury, uh, but in our own communities at the moment. If God can do it in a college service in the United States, then God can change lives in Leeds. God can change lives here in our city. To me, what's so striking about the story of Asbury is this is a room full of people uh, who are young, people that are under 25, uh, and people that are leading one another in worship. Now, this age group, the under 25s, uh, there are lots of you here tonight. That's not the age group I'm in anymore, sadly. Um, but you guys that, have, that are under the age of 25 have been through some pretty difficult stuff. Those years between 16 and 21 are some of the most formative periods in a person's life. There are points where you're, you're moving from that period uh, of being dependent to being independent, when you're forming your own sense of who you are in the world. And you've had to do that in a world that has been uh, marred by a kind of hopelessness. Not only have you lived through two years of a global lockdown and a pandemic, but we've seen wars in Europe. We've seen a cost of living crisis. There is a real sense uh, that this this generation, if you're in this generation, that your generation has had it pretty rough in comparison to some others. But I really believe that God is at work, that God is at work in the midst of young people's lives, not just in Asbury, but here in Leeds. Uh, About a month ago, I had an email completely out of the blue. Now, that's not that unusual in my... Uh, line of work. I get lots of weird emails all the time. Um, But this time I got an email that caught my attention. Uh, It was from a young woman uh, called Ruby, and she emailed me to say uh, that she really wanted to get baptized because 
she had given her life to Jesus. Now, I'd never met Ruby. Uh, I'd never spoken to Ruby. Uh, I don't know how she found my email. Uh, but she emailed me saying she wanted to get baptized. So I, I said what I usually say to people who want to meet up, which is, let's go and get a donut. Uh, if you don't know, there's a wonderful donut shop across from Holy Trinity Borlane, uh, which you have to visit. Uh, but I met Ruby uh, for a donut a few weeks ago, and I heard some of her story. Uh, and I really wanted to share uh, that sto- some of that story with you this evening. So uh, we've got a really short video of uh, Ruby telling some of her story of how she came to find Jesus for herself. Hi, I'm Ruby. Um, I'm 19. Um, I came to faith about three months ago. I decided to accept Christ. Um, the days beforehand, before I accepted Christ, were really depressing and upsetting. I was talking to my dad and asking him questions. I'm basically saying, um, I wanted to know the truth of this life and why we're here and how can I gain peace? Um, I was asking questions like, why couldn't we live in a, a world that's without any evil? And my questions were answered a few days later. It was like an epiphany and I knew I needed to accept Christ and that's what I've done. And since then, life has been great. It's like I have this sense of peace that only you can um, get with God. Um, and my decision to get baptised is what I want to do is because I want to proclaim my faith to everybody, show what Jesus has done in my life and show that I'm a part of this community and I will be for the rest of my life. And a way that I've been sharing my own faith is by uh, writing letters, um, spreading the gospel in them and leaving them in public places for people to um, read and open. Hopefully they get some sort of epiphany out of it also, even if it helps them along the way. That's what I've been doing. So I love how casually Ruby says in that video, I just woke up and I, I knew that I had to give my life to Christ, as if it's a completely ordinary thing to do. Now, the bit that Ruby didn't say in that video uh, is that Ruby has not come from a Christian home. Um, To me, this is a kind of undeniable story of God on the move, bringing people to himself, bringing young people to himself. So I said to Ruby, if if you really felt that God was moving, um, how did you know to get baptized? Why did you decide to email me to get baptized? And she told me uh, that basically the last few weeks since she'd given her life to Jesus... Uh, she spent them on uh, TikTok, which is not something that I use. Um, She'd so basically been looking at videos on TikTok to learn more about who Jesus is, this Jesus that she'd just given her life to, and to understand uh, the God that had been speaking to her. Uh, and she, she found out that she should get baptized if she'd become a Christian. And so she looked uh, for a church fairly near to where she lived, and she liked the look of Holy Trinity Bore Lane. Well done to the media team for a great website. Um, and she sent me an email saying uh, she'd love to get baptized. What an incredible story of God on the move. On the 9th of May, uh, Ruby's going to get baptized along with uh, two other people at Holy Trinity. Uh, you'd be very welcome to come and, uh, to come and join us if you like. Um, but my prayer really is that Ruby is the first fruit of many men and women in our generation the first fruits of many uh, who God is bringing to himself.
So what would it look like for a fresh, a new wave of the Spirit to come in Leeds? As I've been praying through this question and reflecting on uh, stories like the story of Ruby, there's been one memory that's kind of got stuck in my head as I process this. I don't know if you ever have that. You know, the, the, the kind of memory that you have when you close your eyes and you go to bed, and it will not leave you alone. Uh, for me, that memory uh, was a few weeks ago, I was uh, here leading the 1830 service uh, at St. George's. This is what fun I have lying awake at night. Um, and I, I w- I'd been leading the service, and during the prayers of intercession, uh, Joanna, who was leading the prayers that evening, had been praying for the events at Asbury. And she was praying uh, that God would continue to move there. And then she prayed this really simple prayer that we pray every week here at St. George's. Come, Holy Spirit, come. And everything within me um, felt that actually I wanted to stop the service a little bit like uh, we did this evening and just uh, go with the move of the Spirit. I felt that God was really on the move in that service. And I got to the front of church after the worship had finished, after the prayers had finished, and I said this, we're now going to read the bands of marriage. And I felt the whole atmosphere just change and shifted. And actually, as I lay awake thinking, I thought, I missed it. I missed the moment. I knew very well that I could have, at that point, do exactly what Richard and Miriam did this evening and say, God is doing something here. Let's go with it. But I didn't. I knew that um, Josh and Livy, whose bands I was reading, I'm doing their wedding, uh, really needed their bands read that evening. And so that was all that was in my head. And then as I kind of prayed and processed this memory, I started to get even more frustrated and I started to think about the things that we do down at Holy Trinity at every, every, uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday every week. And we have to make sure our services are really short and really tight because usually people are on their way back to the office uh, or they're on their way to the office. And I started getting a little bit cross and thinking, how on earth is God going to move in power in 30 minutes? How's that going to happen? What would a new wave of the Spirit look like Uh, if we have to fit it into our lunch hour. Probably revival's never coming to Leeds. That was the conclusion of my prayer. (laughs) But as I was processing through uh, this memory and and talking to um, my spiritual director about it and praying through it, I felt really convicted how wrong I had been. I felt very strongly, um, and to be honest with you, I don't feel this all that often, that God really places something really strongly Uh, in my heart but I felt really strongly that God said to me do you really think that I am that small do you really think that I'm so small that the bands of marriage are going to stop me do you really think that I cannot move in power in 30 minutes the God who created the universe the God who is bringing people to faith through TikTok, the God who is bringing revival through college services and university students. Do you think I'm really so small that you could get in my way? God 
can move and God is moving in the small things. God is moving in our communities, in our schools, in our, com- in our universities, in our homes. God is even moving on TikTok. Isn't that amazing? But this is the story of the God that we see at work throughout the pages of the Bible. A God who is always working through the unexpected, through the things that people have written off, through the things that people think are mundane and boring and stupid. God is at work in those things. So we have to be honest with ourselves that if we really want to pray that prayer, come, Holy Spirit, come, that we are not in control. We're not in control of how God will answer that prayer. That is a prayer of letting go of control of letting God move in the way that God can only move. And that's what we want, isn't it? That's what we want to see, is God moving in our lives afresh. So we're going to look at three uh, quick things from this passage which can help us to think about this question of what it means for the Spirit to move in our own lives. So the first thing I'm going to say is that We have to remain. You have to remain in Jesus. This is a phrase that Jesus says again and again in this chapter. I wonder if in my own desire to see God moving afresh in this city, in my frustration, my own willingness to let God lead in worship, I wonder if I had accidentally bought into an idea of what it looks like for God to move. That if revival is going to come, then it has to look a certain way. It has to feel a certain way. Maybe I'd put God in a box, and maybe actually I'd make revival my concern, and not God himself. Mike Pilavachi, the leader of Soul Survivor Church, in Watford, who some of you may uh, be familiar with, uh, recently said this on Twitter. Apparently God is moving on social media tonight. He said, keep talking about revival and you are likely to end up with disappointed and disillusioned people. Keep talking about Jesus and you are likely to end up with revival. Our greatest need in the church is more knowledge and experience of Jesus Not hype or a better show, just Jesus. In essence, I think these words from Mike Pilavacci, although they weren't intending to do so, I think they summarize very well what Jesus is telling his disciples in John 15. They cannot bear fruit, he tells them, unless they remain in the vine, unless they abide in him, unless they remain in him then they can do nothing, he tells them. They can do nothing unless they remain in him. And I think that has to be the place that we start to if we want to ask this question of what it looks like for God to move in our lives. Unless we remain in him, we will see nothing. It can only start by being drawn into that depth of encounter with Jesus Christ. 
That's the only place that we can start. That's precisely, I think, what happened in those lives of young people in Asbury. In a very literal sense, they remained. They remained in that room. They would not leave the presence of God. But they made Jesus their end. They made Jesus the object of their worship. So what does it mean for us to remain in Jesus? Now, I'm a bit of a pragmatist, right? So when I read a passage like this, what I want is to add something to my to-do list. Um, I think, I've got to remain in Jesus. Okay, I've heard the sermon. What have I got to do? Here's my action plan. I'm going to add some extra prayer on a Monday. Um, I'm going to read my Bible a little bit more. Um, Perhaps I'm going to serve some of the vulnerable in my community a little bit better. Or perhaps it means uh, trying harder to build a community that's focused on Jesus, developing my preaching skills, being more attentive to the Holy Spirit in worship. I think remaining in Jesus might end up with lots of these things. But if our primary instinct in hearing this passage is to do something, to change something, to act to change the world, then we've missed the point completely of what Jesus is trying to say. The word Jesus uses is literally the opposite of action. Stay. Wait. Be still. Dwell. Wait for me to show up. To abide in Jesus is to wait for him to do the work. I think waiting for Jesus, now you have to go with me on this analogy a little bit. I think waiting for Jesus is a little bit like waiting for a bus. Now, in Leeds, apparently we've got this thing called a bus timetable. Have you heard of a thing called a bus timetable? Um, Apparently the bus drivers of Leeds have never heard of a bus timetable. Um, So I know very well that if I stand outside Holy Trinity at a certain time, at some point, a bus will come and take me home. I'm pretty confident of that. There hasn't been a day so far when a bus hasn't come to take me home. But I have no idea when it's going to come. It could come 10 minutes before it's supposed to or 20 minutes after it's supposed to. And actually, when I'm stood there outside the church under the bus shelter, there's literally nothing that I can do There's literally nothing that I can do than wait for the bus that I know is coming. And I think this is precisely what we're invited into when we're asked to remain. We're asked to abide. We're not asked to put into practice an action plan, but we're asked to wait for him. Wait for him to act. I'm reminded of Moses' words, probably because we've been journeying together in the book of Exodus, but I'm reminded of Moses' words when he says to God, if your presence does not go with us, then do not send us. How will anyone know that you are pleased with your people unless you go with us? If your presence does not go with us, then do not send us. I think this is the prayer of expectancy that asks the Spirit to move in our lives afresh. 
And we are going to do some of that in a bit together. We're going to stand or sit and we're going to wait for Jesus to work. The second thing that I noticed from this passage is that abiding, waiting, is something that is not, we're not called to do alone. I think sometimes when we think about waiting for Jesus to show up, waiting for God's presence, we might be drawn to this kind of picture uh, of taking ourselves off somewhere to be still. Now that is an important part of our spiritual lives. It's an important part of our spiritual development to spend time alone with God. But actually the picture of remaining in Jesus that we have in John 15 is not that one. The picture that we have in John 15 is one in which you and I together remain and you and I together bear fruit. One theologian puts it like this. The image of the Christian life we're given in John 15 is one that is personal, but it is never private. It's personal, but it's never private. We are the branches of this vine that wait for God to show up. And a few uh, weeks later, or a few months later, when the disciples, uh, when Jesus has died and has left them, and has ascended to heaven after the resurrection, the disciples are together. They are together waiting for the Holy Spirit to show up on the day of Pentecost. In Acts, it tells us that all together, the disciples were all together in one place when the Spirit showed up. And I think that's precisely what we're asked to do if we're hungry to see more of God's presence. It's to gather. It's to gather together and to wait for God to act. We live in a time, don't we, that seems very, um, very hungry not to gather. I know from my ministry with working people in the city uh, that a lot of workplaces have not returned to life as normal after the pandemic. So much so that for many working people, and I'm sure this is true for student life as well, days can go by when the only people we see are on the other end of a screen. The only meaningful contact we have uh, is digital. But actually, Scripture encourages, the book of Hebrews encourages not to give up gathering together. Do not give up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing. And so if we want to invite God's presence, then we do it together. That doesn't mean we have to do it here. It doesn't mean it has to be part of uh, a service like this. But let me encourage you, uh, if, if you're hungry to see more of God move in the city, to keep gathering, to keep waiting together, for God's spirit to move in our lives. And my last uh, reflection on John's gospel before we do some waiting together is that remaining always leads to going. We see a beautiful picture of the nature of God in this passage, I think. Right at the beginning of John's gospel, John tells us that Jesus has been sent into the world God, Jesus has been sent into the world to make known the love of the Father. 
Now, uh, the God who sent existed in perfect relationship for eternity. Existed in perfect relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yet, Jesus, the Son, was sent into the world to make known this love. And again, we read in, at the end of our reading from John 15 that the God who sent, the God who sends, is sending another. John tells us, uh, or Jesus tells us, that when the Advocate comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth comes, he will testify on my behalf. God is a God of relationship, and God is a God who sends. And Jesus adds very quickly at the end of that, that you too are being sent. You too, the ones who have been drawn into this perfect love, this perfect community, you're being sent as well. The presence of God is not here for your entertainment. It's not here for our entertainment. I mean, it's not here to just to make us feel lovely and happy and warm. Christianity doesn't offer just another self-help program. Those of us who have been invited, that have tasted the love of God, are the same people who are sent into the world. I think often those who are new to faith, who have tasted this goodness for the first time, grasp this so much better uh, than people like me who've been trying to do this for a long time. As you heard in Ruby's story, um, she, she told us that she'd been painting cards and leaving them in strange places so that just maybe God would use them to bring other people to faith. There's an infectiousness about what she has seen. She knows that the love that she has encountered cannot be kept to herself. And that is for us too, that when we invite God to move, we better be prepared to start moving ourselves. So we're gonna wait. We're gonna wait together, and we're gonna wait to be sent. That's what we read in John's Gospel, in John 15, that we are to remain in Jesus. So what would it look like for a fresh wave of the Spirit here in Leeds? Let me tell you this. It wouldn't look, it wouldn't look like Asbury. It wouldn't look like a revival that we've seen in the past. It would look like you and I seeking after the presence of God. Our eyes fixed on Jesus and nothing else. This might be in this space, it might be in our worship together, but it would also be in the mundane things of life, in our bus journeys, at our desks, in the pub, in our conversations with friends and colleagues and course mates. God is not limited to this space, God is not limited to uh, this band or to these leaders. God can move through bands of marriage. God can move through TikTok. God can move through you. And God is at work in our city. 
So let's lift up our eyes and be expectant of what God is doing. So we're going to spend a bit of time together now waiting. Now this might feel a bit strange to you, but we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us and to see uh, what happens. And actually, um, for you, you might feel nothing in particular. And that's fine. This is just a moment to fix our eyes on Jesus, to know that he loves us and we are his. That's not an illegitimate response to this prayer. But for others, there might be a sense of something uh, going on in your body or in your heart or in your mind. I know that for me, for some reason, when... I really sense God's presence. For some reason, my knees always feel like they're about to give way, like I need to kneel in front of God. Um, For others, uh, you might sense a kind of uh, emotional response, and there might be tears, or there might be a kind of physical shaking. There isn't a right response to encountering God. What we're doing is inviting God to move in this space. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.